Hello, welcome to Cowboy Red, Nottingham Forest 2-0 defeat to Manchester City, left them 12th in the Premier League after six games. So we'll discuss the game and fall from team selections, tactics and Rodgers' red card, as well as taking stock on where Forest are as a team. In the company of, first of all, Reds fan Greg Mitchell. Morning, how are you? I'm good, cheers. Yeah, you're already getting a bit of grief in the comments about running late again, it says. So, uh, yeah, I ran a little bit late on purpose because we, we went early on Thursday and it chopped off the first minute of the stream. So that was partly deliberate to people. But then, yeah, we were just um, discussing stuff about Greg's weekend that we probably couldn't discuss live on air unless he wants to. But I doubt he does. So, nope. No, he's shaking his head for those who are listening. Second guest today is Mikey Clark. Morning, Mikey. Hey, Matt. How are you? I'm, uh, I'm really good. I've not been in trouble this weekend. So uh, although I, I'm on my phone today, so if I... Uh, do a Gary Bertles and it goes a bit funny on my stream. You'll have to kick me out and and uh, enter me back into the uh, podcast, Matt. But uh, so apologies in advance. No, I, I love think Gary Bertles does his al fresco. It's great. <laughs> you just see him popping up in these nice little spots, and he's just there. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. Uh, you heard the voice there of Reds fan and actor Asha Ali, who's joining us for his uh, full debut, I guess. There is an episode with Asha where he talks about his life as a Reds fan, so check that out. But this is his first one with us discussing a specific game. Asha, are you well? I'm very well. I hope this debut goes more... Who had a good debut for us recently? Dominguez. Let's say Dominguez, then uh, Montiel versus... Um... Yes, we'll come on to Dominguez, actually. He's on the list of topics. Um, Greg, kick us off as ever, if you would. Overall thoughts, leaving the ground, what, what, what was going through your head? Um, I mean, we all feared what just might happen, uh, especially after 15 minutes, and it didn't. So overall thoughts were, like Cooper says, what was it? Uh, it's gone. They're the best best team at home in world football, which, which you'd completely agree with. And we didn't do ourselves any disservice, really. So, yeah, I mean, to get a result there or to look like we we're going to get something would have been uh, would have been astronomical in a historic side of things, but we didn't. But we didn't disgrace ourselves. So uh, there's a lot and lot to look forward to over the next few weeks. Asher, you were at the game as well with Greg. I think you mentioned me before uh, when we were discussing you doing this, and you said, you know, I could witness anything. What, what did you make of what you witnessed? Yeah, I remember sort of saying to you that you know it could be. Uh, disaster reporting, you know, which is never fun, is it? But no, it wasn't. I mean, like, you know, like Greg said, you know, we walk, I think most of us all walked out of the ground not feeling disappointed, but feeling kind of optimistic, you know. That first 20 minutes or so, if it had continued in that vein, then, yeah, we our conversation now is, you know, has a much darker tone. But sort of after that, you know, we, we had a few passages. I mean, obviously, we'll get into talking about the game, but I think overall I came out quite optimistic. I don't know if that was because I'd spent two hours with Greg, you know, which I think I need in my life, really. It's quite, it's, and, and it, 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 osmosis, you know, that optimism by osmosis. But no, I definitely came out, and I think a lot of people did. We weren't, you know, we didn't disgrace ourselves. Uh, morning to everyone in the chat. Good to have you with us. Happy birthday to Lee Tilston. If it is your birthday, someone's just said Lee Tilston, happy birthday. So I assume they know it's your birthday. So uh, happy birthday to Lee. Mikey, just... Um, like uh, Ash said, that that first twenty minutes, I mean, we could have got blown away in the rest of the match. Uh, realistically, how did you feel? You know, after that period and then at full time. Yeah, I um, I feared the worst. To be honest with you, you know, everybody remembers last season. We took an absolute pounding there, six 0 and, and to be honest, they they um, 
went back into sort of second or third gear in the second half could have been a lot worse. So when you 2-0 down after, what what was it, 15 minutes, something like that, your mind naturally falls back into last season thinking, oh, crikey. But then, as the guys have said quite rightly as well, this is the best team probably in world football. So the fact that that didn't happen and the fact that, and I, I'll talk about it in a bit, I suspect, probably my any of the business, the fact that that second half performance gave me a hell of a lot of encouragement. So some of the stats, if you just look at the stats of the second half, and I appreciate they had 10 men, but their 10 men is better than most people's 11 men, you know, in this league, especially at home. We, we found a different gear. And yes, we didn't pepper the, the goal quite as much as I would have liked, but there was, there was a huge amount of room for optimism from what I saw in the second half. And let's be honest as well, even the second part of the first half, mm. we didn't go underwater. We didn't go in at half-time three, four, five goals down. We kept it at 2-0. Uh, we had a good chance near the end of that first half. And if you would have said to me after 15 minutes, it'll end 2-0 and you'll give a good account of yourselves and there's plenty of optimism... I would have taken that. It's a free game. You know, everybody listening and watching this. No team in the last 10 years goes to Man City and does anything, really. You get the odd freak result, but 99% of teams get beat there. And the key thing is we didn't have any negative impact to our goal difference. Now, goal difference is still minus two, I think. And if you look at those teams at the bottom of the league, that's what we were like last season, shipping in goals. So... It's never nice to lose. Of course it isn't. But I, you know, I watched the game and, and, and when I had sort of 20 minutes to reflect, I then, I then thought, do you know what? Could have been a lot worse. Signs for optimism. And we've got three games coming up that which we're going to get points from. I guarantee it. So let's not, let's not, you know, everybody, let's not be down. It's Man City away. Nobody beats Man City away, do they? So and yeah. we, and we did all right. We did fine. The, the last team that did actually beat them uh, is Greg's favourite team, isn't it? Brentford. Yeah, Brentford, yeah. In November, you know, so that's saying something, but it would have been nice, if, you know, if we, we could have nixed them and we could have maybe become their new bogey team, but alas. Yeah, and Brentford won that game because they stayed in it, I remember, till like the 90th minute and Tony scored on the break when City were trying to win it. So, yeah, I I think we, we went about it a decent way. And after 25 minutes, there was a tactical change. I think Steve-O said in the comments, they got us on the ball a bit more. It wasn't just like the second half that changed it. We were better from about the 25-minute mark. Team selection was interesting, Arsha, with um, no Ryan Yates again, which I thought I didn't like, but then also no Joe Worrell. And they probably worked out in contrasting ways because Dominguez came in. I thought he was great. Aurier, less so. Um, there's some hindsighting in that. So what did you make of the team selection overall? I mean, it's a tricky one. Team selection, in a way, you know, post this uh, transfer window, the team selection question kind of feels like it was a game ago. Now that, that, that changing, because, you know, coming to this, it wasn't changing a winning team. I think that's important to say, you know, that, that game against Burnley was was quite difficult. But that, that game against Burnley was when he changed a winning team, if you look at it plainly. You know, the game against Chelsea, obviously, you know, will get a result. And then post the window. It was funny as well, listening to Cooper's comments, you know, because he sort of, he seemed like he was tempering expectations. There was a lot of like, oh, you know, just because we've signed all these new players, you know, I want the fans, you know, I don't want them expecting that, we're, you know, we're just going to chuck them all in because that's how you end up with a kind of disjointed performance. But I guess, you know, now, I mean, Cooper, he's probably a better actor than me, you know, 
uh, these press conferences, like you just can't, you, you, you get suckered in and you believe him and then he does the complete opposite every single time. So you probably shouldn't believe him. But Burnley was the was the game where it felt you know quite disjointed, and then coming into this, I thought Warrell it was so harsh to drop Warrell. I don't think Joe's done anything wrong this season at all. McKenna possibly, you know, you've got a case there. And Yates, I mean, I don't. For me, I know I, I love Ryan Yates, so a lot of this is quite you know biased in that way. I just I just everything about him I love. I feel like he would be a much more interesting foil alongside Sangare. I don't know. I know someone, someone post, you know, they posited the kind of conspiracy theory that Mangal is in there next to him because he doesn't speak English and Mangal is, you know, I'm just sort of tra- translate for him or whatever. I don't buy that. But for me, I don't know. It'll be interesting because because with Sangare, I know we'll probably get on to talk about him later. But it's you know, I know it's early days. He's he's going to settle and he's going to be fine. But there is that quote, I think it was in Nick Miller's piece where he talked about Sangare in The Athletic. There is that quote from some anonymous Premier League exec or whatever who said, you know, Sangare, you know, he's he's good against the ball, but he can't take the ball. Mm. You know, kind of, he doesn't quite necessarily maybe have that technical ability like a Moses Caicedo, you know, to, to progress the play. But this is all quite harsh, and it's a sam- it's small sample size, you know, two games. I think he's going to be absolutely fine and we'll forget about, you know, this start but yeah it was interesting but it seems like we're going into a very much a kind of we have one shape away from home against stronger teams and now we're going to try this kind of four at the back four two three one type thing to, to squeeze in a langer and Hudson Adoy at home but I guess you, you know you can you just say it wasn't a winning team necessarily it was changing do you think Greg that we're back to where we were last season. This is a byproduct of trying to take giant leaps in transfer windows. You don't know what your best eleven is, and I don't think the manager knows. Is that what we're seeing in team selection at the moment? No, I think it's more calculated than that. I think we've realised last season away just didn't happen, did it? It wasn't a success at all. <clears throat> so they've realised they've got to change things. So I think we as fans have got to get used to seeing three or four changes every time we go from a home game to an away game because we're going to have completely different setups. But I don't know, maybe some players we missed a lot more, but you know, it was 2-0 against Man City. I don't think it was a disaster. Um, I just feel that we get too, what's the word? We get too caught up with saying that this change and that change, we should stick with a stick with a team that we know where it didn't work last year. And this year, maybe this is what we're trying to build, just that team that we can change. You know, you talk about Arsenal changing two goalkeepers. We might have two completely different setups every time now. So I think we just got to trust him and it will work. Of course, they're going to have to gel a bit, but nobody disgraced themselves. No one had a real stinker on Saturday. So if that team was the 11 that goes away at Palace uh, a week on Saturday, then I don't think anyone's going to be too disheartened and, thinking it's going to be a disaster. It, it will work, and it will certainly work against teams that aren't the best in the world. Yeah. I was going to say about Arsha, what you said about the French thing. I don't think any player should be picked because of the language they speak. So I hope that's not... I can't believe that's a factor that's getting Mangala in the team ahead of no, anyone. Yeah, it's definitely conspiracy theory territory there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't understand that. Um, and Mikey, do you think, obviously, Worrell... He had a mare against City last season. Haaland absolutely bullied him. And 
I'm trying to, I could see the logic before the thing in picking Aurier in a sense that he's more athletic, City are very nimble around the box. But with hindsight, I mean, Aurier for that second goal, we'll go through the goals specifically, but I'd love to know what Aurier is thinking for that second goal. What did you make of it? Yeah, you never lose a game with hindsight, do you? That's, that's a good thing. Um, I was surprised when I saw the team lineup. if I'm honest. Um, I kind of expected Yates not to play and for him to go with the three in midfield, which which he went with. So that wasn't a huge surprise, although you know there's a debate on here about whether Yates should get in the team for, for the reasons Osh has said. I think I'm probably more in that camp. Um, the Joe Warrell thing surprised me. And I was thinking pretty much around why... He will play Aurier, who's a fullback at centre back, and I think it's for the points that you raised, Matt. I, I genuinely think if you look at the way Man City attack, it's in pockets, it's you know breaking lines, quick, nimble players like Foden. Um, obviously, Jack Grealish was back. On the other side, they have the fullbacks bombing on with Kyle Walker. So, I think there was probably two things in Cooper's mind. One was last season, and Joe didn't have his best game, of course. But I think it probably got superseded with with that very thing around having quick, nimble players alongside big Willy Bolly. Um, otherwise, you're not very mobile if you if you play Willy and um, uh, a Joe in, in a three. Um, so I wouldn't have gone that way, but I understood why he did it. The issue you've got is when you turn it down for 15 minutes, everybody then questions why have you taken out centre back where everybody was raving about. But again, it's hindsight, and you're playing the best team in the world. I think going back to your point, Matt, around that second goal, yeah, I, I didn't understand it because the ball goes wide, doesn't it? And then Haaland just peels off and Aurier seems to make the opposite run towards the near post. Mm-hmm. bit strange. Whether Joe would have done that or not, who knows? I suspect probably not. But, you know, we, we, we're just splitting ears here and, and just, just picking things. You know, Aurier's not a centre-back, he's a full-back. And I, and I genuinely expect him to play right-back um, in the next, certainly two of the next three games. So it was it was a gamble from Cooper. It didn't work. But then again, you know, we're, we're probably going to lose that game anyway. And uh, yeah, he's, he's much better at fullback, isn't he, Aurier? So would I bring Joe back in for the next game? I don't think I would, if, if I'm honest. I think I'd probably start Bolly and Niakate at centre-back. But I think the next time you go to a three, I think Joe comes back in. Probably for away at Palace, I would have thought. Yeah, I agree. If we play a back four now against Brentford, which I think we should, then uh, Worrell wouldn't be in my team. I know people think I've got a blind spot for Worrell. He wouldn't be in my team against Brentford because it would be Felipe and Niakate, or it could be Bolly and Niakate. I've got no problem with that. Um, And I can see why. I mean, Doku's rapid, and we saw that quick wingers versus Joe Worrell is a problem. Quick wingers versus any centre-backs are a problem, so I can see the logic there. Uh, Worrell would be in my team. Uh, sorry, Aurier would be right back in the next game because Tavares is injured, and I think you move Aina over, who was, again, very good, I thought, and it did a really good job. Looking at the first goal, Greg, um, people are very critical of Tavares. I do think he struggled in the game, and I think he is an issue versus good attacks. How much blame do you give to him for that first goal, though, for having... Uh, Carl Walker getting behind him. Is it on him or do you accept that it's such a good goal from City? Yeah, 46 passes, everyone keeps saying, wasn't it? So, mm. um, yeah. Why was he subbed? Was it an injury? or? Yeah, he, he's done yeah. his groin, I think. Um, yeah, I think we've always got to find a, find a scapegoat, haven't we, for when a team scores. But sometimes also accept that 
probably 46 passes of the best players in the world. I know I keep saying it, but it's it's just a fact, isn't it? And uh, the speed in which they got that pass to Foden, uh, it's a real tough one. And, you know, welcome to <laughs> welcome to the Premier League. Um, but I wouldn't put too much blame on him. No, it's just a very, very good goal from some of the quickest players in the world. Mm-hmm. Does he? Um, does Tavares worry you, Arsha, when you watch him live start against top quality opposition? I still can't believe that we've signed him. Like that, this isn't like a, I'm not writing him off or anything. I'm just going purely off that cup game against Arsenal. I and all of us, we've never seen a you know a, a, such a bad performance in a fullback. Uh, position. He was absolutely tormented that night by Spence and, and Johnson at various times. But also the cameras were there as well. So the cam- you know, the whole sort of uh, world could see his reaction as well to being hooked after whatever it was, 30-odd minutes or whatever. But I generally watch that game because um, I play a bit of football manager as well, you know, now and again. And Tavares is obviously one of those kind of wonder kids. So you're always like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, keep an eye on him. But but after that game, I honestly thought that was him done in English football. I thought everyone's going to see this. They're going to see that he can't handle the, the, the physicality of it, the pace of it. Um, and he might have to go elsewhere. I did not expect two years later, whatever, you know, to see him holding up the number three. And he's our left back now. I mean, going, going off his season that he had with Marseille, he looked... Uh, like an attacking threat, you know, he looks sort of almost, you know, Jed Spence levels of attacking threat and probably Jed Spence levels of defensive kind of acumen, let's say. But, I mean, it's it's hard as well to say, I mean, his pre-season, what's his pre-season been? Who knows, you know, but it, 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 these over these last two games, I think you can see that his pre-season might not necessarily have gone the way he would have liked. He just looks a bit sluggish. You know, a little bit sort of over. I'm not going to come on here and dig out players, but he just looks like he just needs a bit of time. I think you can't you can't judge him after these first two. But it is a massive shock still to see him as our number three. And I hope it goes more Jed Spence, you know, for us than, than say, I don't know, whoever else is coming and, and you know, not, not pulled up any trees in the, in the fullback spots. But I don't know, like, you know, you can only go on what you've seen. And I think some of the stuff I saw against Marseille has given me a bit more hope that he will come good. Mm. I think he'll be good against the lesser, so-called lesser teams. I just worry about him. Uh, away games and games like that, which are few and far between, he's more of a, a concern to me. Last one on the first 15 minutes, Mikey. Stephen in the comments says we were too respectful of Man City mm-hmm. in those first 15 minutes. Do you agree with that? I mean, I would count that slightly by saying I agree, but also when we got the ball, we gave it away very cheaply. And we we're really, of those first 15 minutes, I thought we were poor on the ball. What, where do you think the balance lies? Yeah, I think, Stephen, I think he's right. Um, I think we we're too respectful. I looked at the stats after nine minutes, we had 1% possession. That was it. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even joking. Like, honestly, watch it back. And I think our one completed pass in the first nine minutes was the kickoff after they'd scored. So, you take take on that what you will, right? That's crazy. But I did think there's a difference between keeping your shape and being passive. So, and I, I thought we were incredibly passive that first 15, 20 minutes. I can't really remember a tackle going in. Um, we kept our shape nicely, 
that if they're going to have 46 passes, the 47, so I should say, if you're going to have 45, the 46 is going to cut you open if you're not going to make a tackle. So, yeah, I agree. I thought our shape looked good, but just snap in, just get some challenges in. You know, we ended up getting seven booked because I think we, we reverted to that. And I just wish we would have done that at the start. Um, can I just go back to Tavares really quickly? And I'm not one for digging players out, but I thought he had a nightmare, to be honest with you. I think um, that first goal from Man City, that is a world-class goal. I don't think any team stops that. That rule that has finished, just brilliant. It's just brilliant football. Um, but he was caught sleeping a little bit. It's the second one that got me, to be honest. So he, he tries to set Alan E off down the left, gives the ball away, terrible pass. And then he gets done with a one-two. Um, and he just looked a bit all over the shop. So I'm, I'm not surprised he, he kind of got hooked. I'm kind of with Osher on this, you know. It's only sort of two games in. Um, but I, I'd question what, what he's done in pre-season. So hopefully he comes up to speed because I think he played a more attacking role in France. So hopefully, you know, going forward, he's going to be good. But I just think he might need a little bit of time. So I'll lay off him because I'm not really one for taking players out. But I thought he had a mere. But I thought the rest of the guys, they were all seven and eight performances out of ten, if I'm honest. But yeah, going back to your original question, Matt, sorry. Um, we paid them too much respect in those first 15, 20 minutes. Absolutely. Shape was good, but you've got to, got to get stuck in. Now, you, you saw um, Sheffield United yesterday, which was hilarious, by the way. <laughs> I'm sure everybody agrees with that. They they got stuck in for the first 20 minutes, and as soon as that second went in, they became passive. And there's one thing having shape, although they had no shape in the second half, but there's a second getting stuck in, and they didn't. And that's what they're all about. And if they're not going to win home games, they, they're going to struggle. So back to us, obviously, more important thing. If we're going to do that, just be aggressive. Because we were at Chelsea, remember, we played a similar formation and we didn't give them any time on the ball. We were great. I just think the first 15, 20 got to us a little bit, which is a shame, really, because next 70, we were good. Uh, over 400 people watching with us live, which is great. So do us a favour, like and subscribe. We very much appreciate it. Uh, you mentioned about, you know, putting tackles in, being a bit ratty, which kind of leads on to Domingo, so I thought it was good. So Steve Cooper was asked about him in his press conference. And he answers very briefly about Domingo's, but talks more general, uh, generally, excuse me, about team selection. So I'll play that clip and then we'll uh, pick it up on the other side in 60 seconds. He did well and he's... he's... Like I said, we signed a lot of new players and it's going to be impossible to just throw them all together and um, expect um, a fluid team that can compete in any Premier League game, never mind one like today. So um, so we've really got to get the balance right of integrating these players and you know, some, some have not um, even got changed today, but they're definitely going to get in our team at some stage or if they keep going. Um, but we're working really strong with everybody every day, as, as we do, trying to um, get some rhythm in, in how we work to them so they understand in, in our ways of working and how we play or trying to play and et cetera, et cetera. And while doing that, it's hopefully integrating the right players at the right time and um, you know becoming the team that we want. And, and that is going to be a settled team with good connection on the pitch, um, good relationships and, you know, like I said, hopefully picking up enough points along the way but growing as we are, and um, that hopefully that'll stand us in good stead. Mm, sound was too quiet on that. Sorry, I should have edited that. There's a second clip where the sound's louder. I just did, I didn't change the first one. Sorry, uh, Greg. What did you make of Dominguez and that overall midfield? Good. Yeah, he. Um, I mean, we did just didn't get enough of the ball. The second half was a hell of a lot different, wasn't it? But his passes are going to our players, which is 
which is the main thing is I can't remember his success rate, but it was right up there. It was really high. And um, yeah, it's good to hear Steve Cooper talk because didn't really hear much uh, on the highlights as normal. But um, yeah, I think he's certainly one that they're going to be utilising a lot. And I like what he said then about other players as well, not getting suited up because, you know, like the, the Chelsea lad who's on well, that was aimed at him. That comment's aimed at Andre Santos. Yeah, it? it is, and it's like obviously they're going to get their chance. It is. It's a shame that we haven't got a League Cup game, but then it's also a blessing that we've got a bit more time to prepare. But yeah, I really liked Dominguez going back to him. I just think Man City is a hard one to to have a real good idea on a player, isn't it? Because they're just not going to get the the time in a normal uh, like you would in a normal game, but. If you look up his stats, they were certainly very good. I had a look this morning and, uh, yeah, it's a, if we're into stats and all that, which some of us are, it was, a, uh, it was a good one for him. How do you think Sangari bounced back, Mikey? From um, I say bounced back. He wasn't badly Burnley. I thought he was a 6 out of 10. I thought he was probably something similar again here. What did you make of him? Yeah, I think so. I'm with Osher, what you said earlier on. Yeah, he's, he's obviously a, a brilliant player, you know, um, Played at a, a, a decent level. He he looks a he looks a physical specimen, doesn't he? So didn't have his best game, and but the, he'll grow into the team. You know, once he understands what we want and how we want to play, very different from the Dutch league. Blimey, I, I go and watch the Dutch league. Very different from that. So once he comes up to speed, he'll be absolutely fine. He, he's clearly a, a fantastic footballer, um, and I think once we're on the front foot, I mean, Man City, as Greg was saying, it's such a hard. Um, yardstick to judge anything because it's an it's an anomaly in world football, never mind this league. But I think the next three games you might start to see what he's all about, and I, I really hope that's the case. It'll be fine, you know. Once once we get some players around him, I'm sure we'll talk formations. I, I'd love Yates in there. I'd, I'd love um, Dominguez with him. If we can get them three playing, that's a formidable three in midfield. Sangora will be absolutely fine. So I'm I'm full of positivity for him. And Dominguez, who we were just talking about, I think he had a lovely debut, very neat and tidy. Um, his, his off the ball work was good. I, I was watching him first twenty minutes, running up and down, left and right, shouting. Don't know whether anyone understood him, but he was. Um, and it, no, it was good. It, it gives you real hope for optimism. I think those two will be fine. It's just who plays with them in a three. Is it Yates or Mangala or someone else? That's the question. Yeah, there's good options there. And I would like, I think 4 3 3 might be our formation going forwards, especially in home games. A couple of the players I wanted to touch on before we move on to the red card. Um, Nia Kate, Arsha, we've been pushing for him to be in the side ahead of McKenna on here, really. Nothing against McKenna, but I think Nia Kate's more athletic. Uh, how did he do on his first start of the season? I think it's, it's quite hard, isn't it, you know, to, to bring him back and to slot him into a completely new defensive unit. I think that's. Obviously, he's played with those players before, but, you know, Serge in a different position as well. Volley. Yeah, I mean, with him, like, I obviously, uh, no disrespect to Scott McKenna, but I, I feel a bit, I feel safer when in the knowledge that he's on the left, you know, and that he can bring that pace. Um, so I prefer him in the side. He just, he's just, he just needs an, a good run free of injuries to get, you know, to, to really settle down and get back in this team. Because it, if he does, it's his spot to lose. He'll definitely be on there. Because that pace is so useful. 
But also it is disappointing that I know he's got his wrist injury. So we've taken that, that we've lost that cannon, you know, that, that the throw in, which, you know, was a game changer towards the end of last season, wasn't it? Mm. Um, but yeah, he definitely he just needs a run. Just, you know, just have a, have a good run in the side, free of injury. And I think we'll, we'll see the, you know, like the flashes that we saw last season when he was, was settled. You know, we'll see that, you know. Yeah, just 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 get just get a good run, please. Touch some more, someone. <laughs> um, we've spoken about one slightly rash fallback in Tavares. Another one is Montiel, who um, had a bit of a mare against Burnley and looks a bit ill-disciplined and lost, but came off the bench and I thought did better here. Um, what did you make of him, Greg? He had a much much better second appearance than than the first one, didn't he? Uh, Better than Dominguez, obviously, when he... Uh, no, sorry, it was Tavares he came on for, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Better than Tavares. Uh, improved us. Uh, again, his passing was good. You know, he didn't lose the ball too often. Uh, and he looked a different player already to what he did um, in the, the other games he's played. So, yeah, I, I thought there was a lot of positives to go with him. Yeah, just... to be honest, I haven't got a lot to say about it because none of them just none of them had the ball enough, did they? Especially in that Burnley game, he looked more yeah. like homecoming of Gonzalo Yara. Yeah, in this game, he looked like uh, trending more towards the kind of World Cup winner, you know, with Argentina that we you know he can be. But maybe it was because he was playing at wing back, you know, and he didn't necessarily have those. You know, because the positions he was taking, they were quite wide. And in that game against Burnley, obviously, we had Alanga or Kalmatador. Uh, I can't remember who was on which side. But, you know, we had uh, them and those kind of underlapping runs that he was trying to make weren't quite coming off and just left him, you know, that flank entirely exposed. But, yeah, he's another one. He, he, you know, it's good to see him play well. In this yeah. He's got, he's got a bit of something about him, Matt. You know, Lindsay, my, my wife, says to me, says, uh, Mikey, look at him. He's such an angry man. Look at him. Like, <laughs> look, look how passionate he gets. I think he's been booked both games, certainly one. But he's so angry, he's so up for it. And I think once he settles in, it'll be fine. And you need players like that, don't you? You need players with a bit of niggle, a bit of character. That's you know, why Gonzalo Yara. Gonzalo yeah. Yara is yeah. one of those guys who looked like he could, you know, that old cliche of starting a fight in an empty telephone box. He was mental, <laughs> It was great to watch him. You never knew what, where he was going to pop up, what he was going to do. Guaranteed to get a yellow, you know, almost 75% chance of probably getting a red every day. He was just like, he just played full throttle. Yeah, bit, um, of, a, bit, of, a, bit of aggression, Matt. It's what you didn't know what we were talking about before. I think he'll bring it. And I am, um, weirdly, I quite like him. I know he's not, he's not settled in maybe the best, but he looks... I think he might be really, really useful. And he's got a bit of niggle about him, which I say, which I think is going to be good. And him and Dominguez, I think, might be really good additions. It would have been interesting to see him up against Doku. He didn't really have a winger against him. I just wonder if he's a bit rash with his decision-making, but definitely trending in the right direction, as Arsha says. Uh, talking about uh, aggression, completely out of nowhere, uh, Rodri's red card. I mean, uh, Arsha, you, were, you guys, you and Greg have been right in front of it. When you watch it live, there was no spark there, and I think was there to kick that off. It came out of the blue, didn't it? It did. Like Greg was asking me what you know, what, what actually happened. Like you know, it, it just looked so innocuous. It looked, you know, there were there was a coming together of heads in the corner, and, and I think most of us turned away. We we're just like, you know, it was an eye roll moment. Like, God. and then you saw Gibbs White fall to the floor, 
And then it was like everyone jumped on it, like, ah, you know, like, never mind, we've lost, you know, we have no idea he's raised his hands or whatever. But you jump on it, that's what you do as away fans. But I mean, as a red card, I don't know what anybody's complaining about, really. You know, you can take the Gibbs White reaction away from it, it doesn't matter. Gibbs White could have done a cartwheel or, you know, like, done whatever. It doesn't matter. The fact is, is that he raised his hands. You can't, you can't do that. You know, that, that's his fault. You know, he didn't have the discipline not to kind of rise to it. So I don't know what anybody's complaining about, but it's, it's Man City, isn't it? I don't particularly like Man City, I will say that. I don't find them interesting, and I don't find Pep interesting with this long necks and this dancing. <laughs> uh, any words of criticism, Mikey, for Gibbs White's reaction, or would any player do that? No, totally agree. Any player did it. He put his hands around his neck. You've seen it before. Casemiro did it for Man United a couple of weeks ago. Got sent off. If you put, if you raise your hands above sort of shoulder level for more than a split second, then you're giving the referee an opportunity to send you off. So they can complain all they want. And like Arsha said, you know, Gibbs White could have rolled around and done press ups or whatever. It's a, it's kind of irrelevant, you know, because the VAR is going to look at it. And if you're putting your hands up here, for people that are watching, you're going to get sent off. It's as simple as that. He was daft, and you know. Pep's reaction um, in the press conference afterwards says as much. You know, he's angry, you're an idiot, don't do it, silly. You know, I'd, I'd hate to say this, I'll choose my words. I was going to say better teams because we are a good team, but your top echelon Premier League teams might have punched them. And I think that's that's his warning that he's given them. You do that against a Liverpool or a Man United or something, maybe not Man U, you do that against an Arsenal, you're going to be in a bit of trouble. And hopefully that's going to be, isn't it, in a year or two's time, we might have been able to punish him. But no, no complaints about the red card, it's just just daft. And, and if one of our guys does it, raises their fist, I'm, I'd be the same. I'd be like, you're an idiot. You just got mm. sense of, don't do it. Don't do not mm. do something like that. It's silly. Especially today's. You could have got away with it 20 years ago. Not today. It's mad. I think, um, and Susanna's nailed it in the comments, that it was, I mean, it was embarrassing the way he reacted, obviously. But without that reaction, they probably don't even look at it. Unless you, it feels like that now, unless you rolling around on the floor, they're not going to have a, a, a little look at it. And you look at it from the ref's angle and it was the way that Gibbs White fell that he thought, oh God, yeah, he must have uh, throttled him. But Gibbs White, he had, he had a quiet game again, didn't he? He just, he hasn't hit the ground running yet, but we have got to stick with a player like him because he can completely light it up. And a, a game that's coming around the corner on Sunday is the perfect opportunity for him. But it was a red card, definitely. I'd have been fuming if it was a Man City player reacted like Gibbs White did. But I do think he had to do that just to make sure it was a red because, you know, hands around your throat, no matter how soft, you can't do it. Was there a feeling of needle in the ground, Greg? I mean, I thought it was dead watching it on TV, but suddenly Edison oh, yeah. kicks off yeah. it, won you for nothing. Grealish that, reacted really angrily for nothing Tywe. late in the game. Yeah. I loved I loved seeing Tyway react like that. I think he was probably a little bit embarrassed of his shot. But then that reaction, that anger, that like, because we knew we were going for it then. One goal would have been so close. And I mean, I know we're, I'm jumping the gun here, but what a pass to Taiwo. I think, was it Bolly who did the pass? Yeah. Uh, and then obviously it was a, a poor shot, a poor choice of what he had to do. But I just loved that up against Edison because Edison's a fiery character. We all know that. And uh, yeah, I want to see more of that from our team fighting for it, really caring about what they're doing. And uh, the more of that, the better for me. I hope with that team that that gets angry, gets at people. 
Mm. On Gibbs White, I thought he was on the sort of the precipice of a good game, Arsha. He was he's in, really involved, but nothing's quite coming off for him at the moment. Uh, quite a few people in the comments saying he should be left out, rested, however you want to put it. No. I would keep playing him into form, especially with the games we've got coming up. What, what's your take on him now? You've seen him live a few times this season. He, he still gets a free pass for me. You know, he he is in this team. He's a he's a gold brick, isn't he? He's he is the gold brick in this house that we're building, and it is his team. I, I know um, in previous. Uh, podcast someone mentioned you know i think it was uh, uh who yeah. yeah. said it's still is this is a team built in morgan gibbs white's image you know there's there's no point tearing it tearing that up you know and, and i think it's like you say you have to play him into form he's obviously had a very stacked uh summer winning the euros you know the under 21s or whatever and rolling in, you know, coming into this season, obviously that's going to have some sort of effect, not having an, an extended break and, and also being able to switch off mentally. But he, like you said, he was on just on the precipice of, of you know, if that free kick, say, you know, if that managed, if he managed to put that in the top corner possibly, I don't know. Um, and his touch is slightly off, you know, it's a bit heavy now and again, but... No, come on, man. This, this is his team. This is the same player who last year we were all, you know, absolutely thanking uh, the gods for, for blessing us with such a player, you know, who could absolutely run at this this team. He he's he's like he's fine. He's going to be fine. Just give him time. He's still he's still loading. He's you know that little that, that little apple icon thing is still still going. But he, he's gonna he's gonna get there, man. Yeah, I think Greg in the comments makes a good point here that he we need to build up new partnerships. We're trying to forge a new team. And I don't necessarily think the way to do that is leaving out Gibbs White. I mean, obviously, if it carries on and he's not doing anything or there's a perceived lack of contribution off the ball, then I'd be leaving him out. But at the moment, I don't think Alanga is doing enough to say he should be starting every game. I'd have Hudson-Odoi ahead of him. So if we're going to play a three up front, then they'd be my three. Gibbs White, Awanyi, and um, Hudson Odoi. Maybe in an away game, Hudson Odoi off Awanyi would be interesting to look at. But at the moment, uh, I, I'd be sticking personally. Um, Mike, anything you want to add on that before we move on quickly? Only, only, only thing I'll add is I understand what Eagle's saying. And I think Arsha touched on it just then around his, his heavy um, post last season action and pre season. Um, <clears throat> he, I mean, there's an argument to say, do we? take him outside initially and then sort of phase him back in. But I'd probably stick with you guys and say this is his team. It's built around him. However, no no person's place in a team is safe. I think the question for me is, is not really with the dropping, really playing. So I think at home, the idea is going to be to get him on the ball as much as possible. So that 4-2-3-1 shape, he's going to play in the hole. And then you can probably say, right, is he having the impact on the game that we think he will have or that he should have with Alanga and, and uh, Hudson and either side of him? If you're going to play in a three, that's the question. Does he get in ahead of Alanga and Hudson and I'm probably, I'd probably start him, absolutely. But I think the idea is to get him on the ball. So I just genuinely think at home he's going to play him behind and you're going to play them all. And I guess away from home he's probably going to play too. So... 
But I, I do concur with what the guys are saying in the comments as well. You know, nobody's place is, is safe. Even Gibbs White, and I understand it's been built around him. And Cooper always plays him, right? He's not going to get drops, let's be honest. But it, for me, it's about where do you play him on the pitch? So that's the big question. If we can find a way to integrate all these players, then we're going to have a cracking season. Because that front four of Awanee, Hudson-Odoi, Alanga and Gibbs-White is as good as anything outside those top echelon teams. You know, those three behind the one, they're all, what, 21, 22 years of age. They're only going to get better. It's it's really exciting. So I just think it's a squad game as well, isn't it? So even if Gibbs-White does step out for half a game or one game, he'll come straight back in anyway. But mm-hmm. I'm with you guys. We just, we just need to find a way to get him in. Who do you replace him with, though? Santos, none of us have seen Santos. You know, I know all the Chelsea fans are absolutely outraged that we're, we're wasting him. He wasn't even in the squad, was he, um, for this game? I don't know. I mean, it, I, I don't know if I remember correctly, but didn't Johnson go through a little spell like this? And yeah, he, he was taken And then he came. No, I think he might, maybe I've got it wrong. I'm sure it was someone who, it must have been someone who was really important in that promotion season. And we, we took him out for a bit and then they came back and the other side of it, you know, they were world beaters or whatever. I don't know. I mean, if you do take him out, who do you replace him with? But also, he's so close. Now, I can't see any of the comments. I can't see what everybody's saying. They're probably slower than me. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he is an important player. I think you you have to give him the grace to, to play for it. I think I'd be willing to look at set pieces if we had someone who I thought if, if one of these new signings can take a better corner or a better free kick, certainly, then I'd probably take him off them. Uh, and I'd probably put Montiel on penalties if he's on the pitch as well. But generally, yeah, I think he's like um, this time last season, Brennan, I think, was in poor form and people were saying he should be left out. And Cooper kept picking him and then he scored. Uh, was it Leicester at home? I can't remember. He went on a bit of a tear and got those goals that went a long way to keeping us up. And I think that's how Cooper manages players, uh, especially his favourites. And every manager has favourites and, you know, Gibbs White's one of them. So I think he'll still be in. Um, Last 10 minutes or so, just wanted to take stock of where we are after six games. In our pre-season thing, we did predictions of where we'll be after six games points-wise. And I think I said six points would be a great return, uh, assuming we beat Sheffield United and Burnley at home. Anything better, happy days. So for me, I'm, I'm very happy. What about you, Greg? Uh, I'm just going back to one of the very first comments that I wrote down. Uh, three points better off and eight points better off than this time last season. And you look how bad those bottom three are. Like We've really got a good chance to, by Christmas, have a real nice gap between that bottom half and just seeing where we can go the other side, especially with the teams we've played so far. This horrendous run of away fixtures where we're not going to get a single point and most experts said we didn't. We've come away with it. We've got some points and we've had, you know, decent performances. We've had things to take from every single one of these away games. Uh, the key is home. It was such a miss not getting an extra two points against Burnley. And Brentford is a massive game. It's huge. They're, they should be our rivals this year. They should be the team we're, we're fighting up against, trying to get close to in that league. And Sunday will really show us a, a a, a point of where we are so far, but I'm delighted with where we are at the minute. You know, some uh, big sports betting companies saying we're a mid-table team. I'll take that at the minute. Yeah, I, actually, I don't think I watched the Man U Burnley game. I actually, don't think Burnley are that bad. 
And I, I think you're spot on about Brentford. That's a big game. And it looks a winnable game, having seen Everton take them apart. And they seem to have worked out how you play against Brentford. And what about you, Mikey, and where we're at? Yeah, I think I said six points, I'd be delighted. So to, to have seven and, and to be in all those away games, basically, we've not been disgraced in any of them. And like I said at the start, you know, if you cash your mind back to the relevant fixtures, the equivalent fixtures, sorry, last year, what was it, 6-0 Arsenal? Uh, no, 6-0 Man City, 5-0 Arsenal, 3-0 Man U, we just got battered. So we're now starting to compete. Um, I'm really enthused by what I've, I've seen. I think the squad on paper looks a hell of a lot stronger. Steve Cooper proved last season he, he can integrate a hell of a lot of players. He doesn't have 30. He's got, what, 11 or 12 now to integrate. It should be a piece of cake for him, that. Um, so once once they all hit the, hit the ground running, I think we're going to be, be absolutely fine. But I, I'll echo what Greg said as well. Uh, about the Brentford game. I watched them against Everton and they looked rubbish, for want of a better phrase. They looked disjointed. Um, Jensen in the field's a good player, but they looked decimated up front. Um, they got Lewis Potter, did Whistler play, and Buemo ended up playing fullback for them or something. It, they just look a bit disjointed. So Thomas Frank came out and said, oh, I think it's just a one-off. Let's hope it's a one-off. Well, let's hope he's wrong and it isn't a one-off. So if they play anything like they played at the weekend against us, I think we'll take them to the sword, to be honest with you. And I expect us to play back. I know we'll do this in the preview, but I expect us to play a back four because of their struggles up front. And I expect Gibbs White, as I said before, to be given a bit of a free role behind Tyro and Callum and uh, Anthony Alanga next to him. And it could be really exciting. But if it doesn't click that game, it will click at Luton. If it doesn't click against Luton, then we'll have a different conversation. But... I'm really enthused. Seven points from six games in that and a win at Chelsea. You can't really grumble with that, can you? No. And Brentford are missing some key players. Obviously, Tony's the, at the forefront of that, but they missed um, Ben Mee, Sharda. Their squad looks a bit hollow, especially they didn't sign Brennan Johnson. So, um, <laughs> yeah, Lewis Potter's not really the same level. Before we come to our show, I'll play the second clip from Steve Cooper talking about this game, but in general, his attitude, which kind of is indicative of where I think he wants us to go. So I'll throw it to Arsha on the other side of that. It's 48 seconds long. The strategy I'm thinking about means that maybe we're, we're making some small progress. But while you're making progress, I know that you have to make the most of opportunities when they, they come to you in the Premier League. So loads of new players. We're trying to become a team again. We know from last year it takes time. But while, while going through that process... You've got to pick up enough points a, a, a long way, and um, okay, we have some points already. Um, but when you play a game and you get presented an opportunity, you, you really want to recognise that you have to take that. And um, I'm not angry with the players; I'm not disappointed in any way, shape, or form. Um, and I've just told them that, but I've just challenged them to go like, "Come on, boys, really back yourselves," because I do. You know, I do, and um, you know, hopefully, we, you know, we'll, we'll reflect on the game and um, be motivated that um, we can play in these really tough games and, and do some good things. Uh, it's interesting when you hear that, Arsha. I mean, obviously, we're here sat, sat here saying, you know, oh, we only lost 2 0, that's really good. But you want the manager to say, actually, we want more than that. So to hear him say that's encouraging. What's your take on where we're heading and where we're at after six games, having heard that from the manager? I think, I mean, we're obviously making healthy improvements. Like Greg said, you know, we're, we're three points better off um, after six than we were last season. You know, um, I think it's something like, we scored four goals and we conceded 14 by this time last season. We're on seven and possibly nine, I think, this time around. 
So we're, we're making improvements, just, you know, like plain on paper improvements. But I think he's right in, in, in that, you know, you want to you make those improvements and you want to, you know, integrate as many players as you can at the same time without affecting your performance. And I think we're, the game against Burnley did concern me a bit. I was at that game as well. That one was a bit like, oh, you know, we're, we're back to that where we're chucking in a lot of new players and they're having to sort of learn on the job and create chemistry in front of us. But uh, we're fine. Look, let's get it into context. This is Man City we're talking about. You know, however, however much I, I, I dislike them, it's Man City. You know, like Mikey said earlier, 10 men, Man City is still stronger than, than a lot of teams. So I think you need to be careful in terms of the context, because I know a lot of people came away thinking, oh, you know, it was a missed opportunity. We could have nicked a point. Yeah, we could have if we'd have had a bit more of a settled team. If this team that, that was playing, with, you know, had a few games together, then maybe if this was this game later on in the season, then I'll post that red card, maybe, you know, because people know where people are running. You know, you've got relationships, you know. We need to get a kind of Brennan... Morgan Gibbs like relationship going. It's, it feels like it feels like Morgan Gibbs White. He he needs he feeds off those kind of relationships. Once he's got once he's got like people who he just you know he's celebrating with and he's got his little things with his little in jokes with and things and he's bringing that kind of joy to the pitch. Then you see him really kind of fire. So look, we're fine. This is Man City. Let's just you know to use a baseball term. Let's flush it. Let's flush this one now. Let's move on because because it's looking good. Mm. And I do think well, we haven't made this point yet, but if we played that game at any point last season, not just when we did play them, if they'd gone down to ten men, I still think they'd have dominated the ball against us, even when we were a better side after January. So for us to have, I think it was forty-two percent possession overall, so it was probably about sixty-five percent possession after the red card. I think that's encouraging. Like Arsha says, with more connections between the attacking players, we might have scored a goal. But I also think you have to give City credit. They made a couple of really good blocks. Diaz made a great block from, I think it was Gibbs White, and uh, Edison made a few saves. So, yeah, well, very encouraging overall. Uh, right, any other business before we go? I'll come to Mikey first. Anything you want to say or add? Yes, I've got two quick things. Uh, one is about match of the day. So I'm hoping Greg's not got the same thing. I am. Um, I always look at Twitter when match of the day is on. I wonder why our fans get so annoyed with their lack of um, positivity or even talking about us. And I, I've always thought, oh, what are you worried about? And then I watched it and I was infuriated. And let, let me explain why, right? So they they interviewed Phil, for those who haven't watched it, they interviewed Phil Foden, absolutely fine. And then they spoke about Man City for about six minutes. Do you know what they said about Forrest? Absolutely nothing. Not one thing. So going back to your point, Matt, around the second half turnover, I've got some numbers for you. We had nine shots, second half. We had 70% possession. And then we ended up with hudson Adoy, Alanga, Chris Wood, Origi, Morgan Gibbs-White playing almost in a front five. I mean, who does that at Man City? And we ended up pushing them back in their own half. So even a cursory, sarcastic comment like, I don't know what Forrest ended up with, formation, but hey, look, they went for it. And they lost 6-0 last season, so that's progress. I would have taken anything. But they, 
they just didn't even mention it. And what's the phrase like? There's nothing worse than being spoken bad about. Well, there's one thing worse than being spoken bad about. That's not being spoken about at all. So it really infuriated me. Not one comment. So hopefully some people agree with me. So that's Stop one thing. Not watching <laughs> the day. Stop it. It's just why they do it to us every single week. Yeah, it's it's um it, yeah that's one thing. Another thing, seems we got you on our show, TV celeb. Um, Matt always talks about films that he uh, he recommends. I've got one. Don't know whether you've seen it. It's called uh, Knock at the Cabin. I think it's on an on Sky, and it's got um, uh, the wrestler Batista in it from WWE, and it's got the guy who played Ron Weasley from Harry Potter. So that sounds bonkers, right? Maybe. So, <laughs> I'd really recommend that. It's a weird one. It's it's from the guy who did Signs and Sixth Sense in the Village. So it's going to be a bit strange. And it's it's pretty bonkers. So if anybody got an hour and a half spare, I'd, I'd recommend that film. Thank you very That's much. Thank you. Uh, before I, I'll come to Greg next, but hello to Teresa, who's watching from the QMC with her daughter, who's unwell. Get well soon, Morgan, even if you are a Man City fan. Uh, good to have you with us, Teresa, as ever. Greg, anything you want to plug? I'm just scrubbing out the big uh, match of the day, Ran, and <laughs> I'm not I'm not going to dig the Man City fans now after that comment as well. Uh, I've just got two quick things. On the train on the way home on uh, Saturday, you could tell everyone was in good spirits from work. There's a bit of singing and uh, there's a, a dad with his lad on his shoulders, uh, Mark, and his lad called Josh. They were right, laugh. Josh was getting involved and, you know, really starting some songs. So that's good to meet them. And I've got to shout out The Chase, my, uh, my favourite Nottingham band. We... Um, a few of us managed to wander into a gig on the way in from Manchester on Saturday via Chesterfield. And uh, it was to see them half an hour of some of Nottingham's best music. And, you know, these lads all still work full-time jobs and it amazes me because of the talent they've got. So if you're into your music, if you want to support a local band, just go and find them on Spotify or, you know, have a look on YouTube, watch a couple of their things because they're great. So get them signed big and get them, uh, out their full-time jobs, I say. Uh, Arsha, anything, you're good to give us your time. Anything you want to plug work-wise that's coming up or out there at the moment? No, that's boring. No, I don't talk about me. I want to give a shout-out to Nick Miller for uh, posting uh, before the game. He uh, highlighted that the Manchester City fans uh, were coming together and I know they do a food bank appeal uh, before uh, most games so thank you for, for posting that I know a few people um, donated because it was really easy it was really convenient it was opposite um, the Asda you know because they've got that sprawling Etihad campus now or whatever I don't know if you know if they've included Walmart in, in, if they've got them in the fold um, but yeah it was, it was good of him to, to put that on there and I know uh, quite a few people donated it so well done Nick well done, Nick, and well done for everyone who donated. Two from me. One really sad, so I'll do that one first. Um, people who watched the Sheffield United game and laughed at it will have enjoyed it. But before that, there was a tribute to Maddie Cusack. Um, and I work with her brother, a uh, lovely guy, and I've worked with him for years. So thoughts to uh, her family, uh, Rich and everyone. And I sat next to her at the playoff semi-final, uh, and she was really nice and I had to apologise for being so unprofessional celebrating the win. So that was really devastating. So thoughts to the Cusack family. And anyone who knew her a more positive uh one is uh, i've got to take greg to task so we'll do an fpl update 
because uh, we haven't done one all season uh, for the Garibaldi Red League, just so where uh, so I can say where people are. So uh, first, Liam Jordan, 433 points, great score. Also has that score is Fraser Allenby. Third place, Gareth Thacker. Fourth, Tony Keane. And fifth, Carl Lysett. Some big scores there, so well done to them. Mikey, who is absolutely terrible at FPL, is having a really good season and is above me. And I looked at your team and it's good. So don't F it up because you might actually do really well. But we've got to take Greg to task. Suddenly, you've done really well, Greg. And is this coincidental at all, having had uh, beers with Mark Southerns last week, a small consultancy fee there or not? So we could say how great Mike's team is, but he doesn't get the same accusations. Well, he didn't uh, speak to Mark I, about FPL. All I'll say is, uh, not captain in Haaland, you know, you lot thinking he was going to destroy us. I knew we'd uh, we'd control him as much as we can, and uh, I'm getting used to it. It's only my second season, so I'm learning, I'm getting better, and I'll, uh, I'll be one to watch for the future, I reckon. But now I'll take full, uh, full credit for my... Amazing 99 points on Saturday, and there'll, there'll be more of that to come. <laughs> I'd love to see it if there are. Yeah, you actually, well, man, I was telling you guys beforehand last time I because Premier League didn't exist until we, you know, got back into it. Um, but I, the last because I start playing FPL now, but I'm absolutely useless at it, I'm so impatient. But like I was saying, the last time I played FPL was when you used to have to ring up the hotline in the back of the sun to make your transfers. So like you'd get Eric Cantona's number and you'd, you'd, you'd put it into your phone and press star and then you'd wait for ages. Your transfer is confirmed. That's the last time I played any of that. You know, even at the game, when Harlan missed that chance, I turned to you, Greg, and I said, uh, F, uh, fantasy football. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if, you start, if you start a team next year and you need some tips, it looks like I'm going to be the yeah. guy anyway. I've already, already, yeah, I've already ran my team into the ground. This season. Everyone's got Harlan. You need the guy who assists him, but you just don't know who it's going to be. Right, uh, we talked too much about FPL and we talked too much in general. We shall be back uh, on Thursday, probably as usual, with the Brentford preview. We should have some exciting news today. I'm just checking if anything's been announced, but it hasn't, so I can't say what it is. So keep an eye on um, the Twitter. Uh, otherwise I'll mention it on Thursday uh, but in the meantime thanks to everyone who's watched along very much appreciate the comments as ever Greg thank you very much cheers I enjoyed that roll on Sunday it's a massive game we need to be well up for it yes it's on TV again isn't it yeah I've forgotten about that yeah it's on Sky uh, Mikey thank you very much cheers cheers everyone some big games coming up guys lots of points to play for let's keep positive Yes, absolutely. The fixtures do get interesting now in terms of uh, an opportunity presenting itself to us, hopefully. And finally, Asha, good of you to join us and uh, give you thoughts on the game. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, US. Uh, and we shall have you back, I'm sure, soon. Now you're a regular in the stands. Which, oh, yeah. Um, you yeah. struggled last season. You didn't get to, Did you get to a game last season? No. This and season, you're... Yeah, I'm basically sleeping in. Sleeping in that PT stand, just waiting for games to start. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good stuff. Uh, thanks very much, everyone, and we shall see you soon. <laughs>